0: Got nothing. Alright, before we start singing, do not even point at me. I am not karaoke singing, Kelly. I lip
1: synced. You're all welcome. (laughs) I did too. You're welcome
0: because if we had been actually singing, our engineer would have been like, nope, starting over, we're not going to do that live. Welcome, guys, to the Believe after, after Show of Episodes 3 and 4. They are, of course, Origin and Defection. We are excited to be back with more Believe, catching up on the first couple episodes that we missed. Well, guess what? Here they are now. We're going to have a lot of fun. I am Bobby DeMiro. I am joined, I am so lucky to be joined, by my co-host. She is awesome and smart and wonderful. And fun fact, she once ran 74 miles without stopping. I'm just kidding. It is Courtney Henderson, though. What's up?
1: Hi.
0: Did you like my fun fact?
1: Yeah, it was forty-seven though, not oh, seventy-four.
0: Forty-seven. I'm yeah. sorry. I just assumed you're you're like Superwoman. I thought it would have been the higher number.
1: <laughs> That's underneath my dress. Like the Superwoman. Yeah. So I can't can't talk don't, about that. Don't no no
0: don't don't Can even show us. That. I don't even want to. Yeah. We don't need your powers tonight. I think we're good. We we've just, got
1: both powers. Got I know. I know. That's
0: exactly right. All right. Let's jump into this. And as we do jump into this, folks, if you were listening. On iTunes, or if you're watching us on YouTube, I know we do look pretty darn good. I say that every time. It's not original. I'm like, if you're watching on YouTube, we look good.
1: Of course Well, you guys tell us if we look
0: good. No, don't tell us, because you're going to say she's prettier than I am. Whether you're on iTunes or YouTube, hit subscribe. You can follow everything we do on Believe here on AfterBuzz, and every other show AfterBuzz does. And if you have any... Questions, comments, you want to see more, we'll do social shout-outs at the end of the show about Twitter, and you can always go on AfterBuzzTV.com. There's a lot of good stuff on there. All right, let's get into episode three first. We're going to cover two episodes in this one show today. Episode three is called Origin, and as you might imagine, we see an origin story. That is of Bo being born, really before her birth, and Nina, an Orchestra. her mother. So it's orchestra's origin. It is, but it's Nina. It's Nina's origin Which for us. is orchestra. Yeah. Okay. Why are you being so disagreeable?
1: I'm not. I'm just making sure we're saying the same thing with different words. Wow. Just making sure. I'm keeping you honest. Are,
0: are you mad that I was? I assumed that your Kelly Clarkson singing wasn't going to be any good?
1: No. I'm letting that go.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> I'm feeling the tension. I don't know about you guys. Okay. So let's talk about orchestra. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, We see in the first scene in episode three in origin, we see... That Winter calls a meeting with Scorus to try to maybe call a truce. Interesting move. Obviously, first and foremost, it shows that Winter is in over his head, which we've known the entire time. He doesn't know what he's doing. And this is one attempt of him to say, you know what? I need some help. Um, but Scorus plays him a little bit and recalls Nina. What do you think of Nina? We learn more about her today. We learned about her past. Um, obviously, a very sad story. I love her. Yeah.
1: I mean, how can you not? Everything that we learn about her in this episode, it just it makes you wish she's still there. She, you know, that the, the Bo had her. And it I feel like it gives a completely open understanding of exactly why Bo is like Bo is. Um, I, I think that it's a little bit unfortunate that Scorus is the one that found her, as we learn, because she didn't have a great role model of a mother. She didn't really have any Anyone to turn to, anyone to guide her. And then Scorus came along and was just ready to, like, you know, eat her up and give her everything that she, he could tell her that she needed. And she just would do as she was told. And that's exactly what happened, you know. And then, you know, Scorus brings Winter into it, and Orchestra is born. And it's just two doctors or a scientist, a doctor, and Nina. Pregnant Nina. Pregnant Nina out.
0: sounds so simple and yet it becomes so complicated <laughs> just a few years later.
1: So quickly, yeah, yeah. So quickly
0: because you got money and power and influence involved and all that sort of stuff. Um, we learn too that Nina, of course, will die in childbirth, giving yeah. birth to Bo. Um, after she is kind of used, let's say, interestingly, by Scorus with some of the things that he has her do. Um, because when she first gets on the scene and she first kind of reads Scorus as a psychic, To go from that and reading him as a psychic and holding his hand to then shooting down drone missiles that are headed right for the office building with all the military people, that's a huge jump for Nina. She's done a lot in just a few months.
1: Yes, In, in just a few months. I mean, and we see at one point where it looks like she's getting evaluated by Winter or maybe they're just sort of getting to know each other when he's brought in on this. And she turns around and very simply just kind of like twists her arm and it makes the flowers grow. And she says her mom taught her that. And so I love that, you know, because her mom spent time in institutions and being completely misguided and having this chaotic probably thought process around her power because nobody had ever seen it. Nobody knew what to do with it. And they just thought she was crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and so in that sense, I'm glad that Nina has Scorus because, you know, because it brings Bo to winter.
0: That's true. An interesting way to put it. I, I, mean, I, I know if, if you're looking at the really long cell. Yes. Nina had to go <laughs> through what she went through with Scorus. Bo had to go through what she went through with Scorus. But eventually Bo gets Winter and then Tate. Tate. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which, I mean, bringing back a, a daughter to her father. I mean, that what's better than that? Especially when he's going to hopefully man up to the job and be the dad that she needs. And
0: Because that's all she has. The mom's not coming back. No. Yeah. No more I, Nina. I, I. I I understand that, I guess. We really start to see here, too, Skouris's, um not so much his backstory or his character development, but his motivations. Because yes. this is the episode when he talks about, I've got money. It's not about money. This is about power and influence. And that – and I know we mentioned this on a show a few weeks ago. But that is what's really, really scary. Because if you want money, you'll go get money. You'll sell stuff. You'll do whatever you got to do. When it's about influence and power, it's so much of a bigger – Idea. I mean, what is when you think of saying, "Oh, I want influence." What does he even mean? What do you think influence is?
1: Well, we find out, at, you know, in the, at the very start of this, it sounds great. You know, it, it's an easy sell because he's talking about all of the different conflicts around the world, and if you if you have it was forty seven or forty something conflicts around the world, and if you had the ability to have somebody stop them and and cut the violence and rid the world of these wars. You know, why would you not bring peace to to all the land? And that sounds great, right? I mean, why wouldn't we want to try to stop conflict around the world if there was actually somebody out there that could do it? But it seems to evolve, and it sort of seems that this influence that he wants to have to do that sort of starts to stray. Yeah. You know, and, and the power, and it sort of starts to stray. And, you know, we don't see whether or not Scorus went to the government to get permission for some of these things, if you went to them to try to sell them, you know, people like Bo and people like Nina, or, you know, kind of how, how that relationship started, we don't see, hopefully we will, because then we'll sort of get to see if the government's kind of pressuring him and that's where it came from, or if there really just was sort of a dark heart behind the whole thing, and of course that's where we have Thankfully Winter that plays opposite that and, you know, takes Bo for good away from away from orchestra.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's very well said. I like starting to see Scorus' motivations. I like starting to see how he may intend to market Bo like he was trying to market Nina. Bo is the next one, the next powerful one, and if he can get Bo back, she's going to be a weapon. He wants to, I don't know if you'd say sell her. I mean, I don't know if she's a slave, like a human slave, but he wants to market her to the military at some level. And if he can't use her, he can do whatever with her for that influence and for that power that right. he so desperately craves
1: well and the pressure is absolutely on because he showed them nina yeah 10 years ago he showed them nina
0: that's a great point point.
1: and you know so the military has now been waiting for this weapon because nina's gone as we know you know so it's like okay well well, we'll where's the next you know and, and so he's probably under a lot of pressure to deliver and as we know bo's the closest thing to nina as far as powers go i don't know if if what Bo has is stronger or, or more of a power than what Nina had or not. But it's very clear that there's no one else in orchestra that's as, as much a resource or an asset as they look at Bo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Bo, and Bo is the real deal for them. And that flashback circles around a lot on just how important Bo is to orchestra.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we see, I, I think it's in this episode, is it when, when Scores makes the call and he's like about to go up and accept like the humanitarian award.
0: Oh, I think that's actually earlier, but I know what you're, I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. I mean,
1: about. he's up for the humanitarian award. Oh yeah. my, really?
0: Like, oh, Do course. people
1: know what he's up to? No, Clearly, of course not. they don't. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: totally faking it because he's doing one thing, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's doing one thing in public and then behind the scenes <laughs> he's actually really manipulative and of course he's got to be, the, he's like the stereotypical bad guy. You yeah, know? Oh, He's oh, got to yeah. do it.
1: and, and and w- well written to be and and very well act executed as an actor.
0: Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin, great job doing this. The, a, per, a person like that is perfect for this role, because he just looks like a bad dude. I'm sure he's the nicest guy in the world Probably. in person. But he just looks like it on camera. You're like, something's <laughs> off with this guy. He's not cool. Stay, Don't trust this guy.
1: Aww.
0: Great guy. Yeah. I, I, great guy for this. I totally you. They always agree
1: are. You. People that play bad guys, I feel like, always end up being the nicest person in person. Yeah. You could ever, I mean, some. I don't know how that works, but.
0: Well, because you're sick of being like, people think you're a jerk <laughs> when they see your stuff, you're like, no, I'm actually you nice. You have
1: to, you're Forced to be the nice guy. Oh. I volunteer
0: at a dog shelter. I donate money. I do all this great stuff. I'm sure he's a great guy in person. Maybe, hey, maybe we'll have him on the show one That'd day. That would be great. That would be awesome. Before we move on to topic number two, and we're going to be talking about Leona and her son, which is another very interesting thing in this show, um, remember, guys, if you're listening on iTunes, hit subscribe. I know we say it a lot, but, like, seriously, hit subscribe. Give us a rating. We want to hear from you. If you're on YouTube or Twitter, comment. We want to talk to you. Seriously, ask us questions. Challenge us. You know what would be awesome? debate us if you think we're wrong about something if you think our predictions are wrong we want to hear that like we want to know what you guys think um
1: especially if you agree with me and you disagree with bobby whoa
0: cut cut the cameras (laughs) cut her mic somebody cut her microphone i'm Uh, still here
1: i'm still here i'm still here
0: (laughs) all right well let's move on to topic number two i see what you did there really smooth Thanks. Yeah, no, it's cool. We all have to f- say
1: that Leona and her son are in, in, in. I can't talk. New York City. I got so excited about the fact that this—they're not in Philadelphia. They're in New York City.
0: Well, then you just go right ahead and take this. I ball. just
1: love New York City. That's all.
0: Oh, okay. Well, and they're in, the-
1: in New York City, and I love the the car I wrote. Car almost accident um, because Bo. I think right. Bo saves them, like gives the car flat or something.
0: Yeah, I guess. I, well, Tate asks her if she stopped the car, yeah. but I don't think she answers.
1: She doesn't. Doesn't. But I, I thought maybe I saw like the tire was flat or you know blown out or something to where I don't. I don't know. Okay. So if you caught that out there, let us know if you think it was just that it actually the the brakes actually just worked and it stopped on its own, or if Bo actually. Was able to stop the car because she didn't answer. I didn't get, catch a clear thing.
0: This is this is the kind of show, and you were talking about this off camera, so I will give you credit for saying this. Courtney came up with this. This is the kind of show when you're doing when you're hosting an after show on this show. It's almost it almost stinks to watch it because you're constantly writing down notes. You're constantly you're giving down me credit things. for saying it stinks to watch. No, please. you don't know it. I didn't say you that. You can't watch it entertainingly. You have to watch it like it's homework. You have to watch it one time and say, "Hey, let's have fun with it." Yeah. Then you got to watch it again and take like you know pages and pages of notes.
1: And but you catch so much more and I'm sure I'm sure if you've seen the episodes at home more than once you know what I'm talking about yeah. you just th- this show just packs it all in with the storyline with the character development the writing all of it is just so well done that you have to watch it more than once to really catch everything and appreciate all of it which actually then once you know I take my notes and everything I feel like I do enjoy it more because I just I feel like I know what's going on I've yeah. gotten to the meat of the story Yeah and you know well, and the theories are just there
0: oh they're there well speaking flowing. of what's speaking of what's going on let's talk about what's going on with leona because she is from the middle east i don't recall a country if they ever gave an actual country.
1: i don't think they did
0: but she is from the middle east at one point she was trying to leave her homeland because it was very bad she tried to leave with her family she's the only one who made it out her son stayed there her husband stayed there um nothing worked out for her family except for her she comes to america she either was rich to begin with or became rich in america but she's very Rich and successful and, and, you know, safe and secure here in America. but Upper she, East Side. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Great apartment.
1: Yes. With, I mean, with, the Upper East Side is the place to live in New York if you have money.
0: With the penthouse elevator that goes directly to her and there's no front door. It just opens to her apartment.
1: Yeah, that's common.
0: You know you're rich when?
1: When you have an elevator for your front door. Exactly. And a doorman at the bottom that says, I'm sorry, no one's allowed to go up.
0: I know, you know, for for as good of an elevator and as good of a place that is, not a very good doorman, though. No, like,
1: well, Bo spooked him.
0: Bo did spook him, but he got diverted in, like, half a second, and just <laughs> like that, they're gone. He's like, come on, man, what are we paying you for, doorman? <laughs> could you live in a doorman building? Absolutely. Re- yeah, you could. That's hey, true. Hey, I hey. know <laughs> you. You definitely could live in a doorman. From Vegas, living in L.A., she's what? she's a doorman kind of a girl. For For us real, you know, Midwest American folks like me, the real people here, I'm just saying, a doorman building would be awkward. I, like...
1: I promise you it wouldn't. You'd get used to it real quick. I just I don't want to talk... They protect you. No,
0: I know that. I understand the value. I just, like, socially... I don't want to talk to people, like, all the time when I'm coming in. And, like, it's just... It's weird to me. You
1: don't have to. Well,
0: that's rude.
1: Well, sometimes they don't say hi back.
0: That's way more rude. No,
1: I mean, like, they don't initiate, so you don't have to initiate. No,
0: I I feel like I would always have to say hi to a person just standing in my lobby holding the door open for me.
1: They don't always hold the door open for you.
0: Well, then what does a doorman do?
1: Well... Sometimes they sit at the desk and they let people in and they make sure secure. they do the security so that if somebody has to go upstairs, they don't let you upstairs unless you're authorized to be in the building.
0: But so they don't literally hold the door open. No. But they can.
1: Yes. I think you're stuck in like the 1940s.
0: I just like I've never had a doorman. They
1: they also don't get in the elevator and push the button for you either. Okay,
0: well, that's a different person. That's a different (laughs) job. And, you know, you're really rich when you have the elevator button pusher guy in your building. But that would also be really Things of the, the
1: past, Bobby. Things I just, of the past.
0: Okay, I mean, I know this has nothing to do with the show, but the doorman for me would be so weird, I couldn't
1: do it. Well, I want to talk about why they even show us the apartment.
0: Well, because, I mean, you know, obviously Tate's a little kleptomaniac and he's been stealing a lot. <laughs>
1: and Bo just won't let him Ish. be a thief
0: who's who's the parent and who's the child i
1: i wonder it
0: flips on this episode
1: absolutely flips
0: so tate i mean so tate initially steals the wallet there's no cash they obviously can't use credit cards you can't you know in this day and age, they get canceled like that and they don't need the trace on them wherever they spend money so they go back to her apartment return the wallet and in the process tate steals a necklace that turns out to be the crux of the entire show surprise surprise um he's desperate, clearly. He needs money. They go to this pawn shop. They're hungry, shop. too. Oh, incredibly hungry, because Winter isn't bringing him food.
1: Well, I mean, he can only do so much. He's one man. Yeah,
0: food's just a minor oversight. <laughs> just small. Just tiny oversight. Whatever. It's just food. We just need to live. No big deal. <laughs> um, so they end up going to this pawn shop. And, and actually, this was the first interesting part, because we see the butterflies here. Yes. And Bo or Tate excuse me, asks Bo... Which pawn shop would we go to? What sounds better? Gives her a few names from the Yellow Pages. And Bo picks one after kind of consulting herself and saying, this one sounds better. We want to choose this one. Um, Good choice, Bo.
1: Well, and it was interesting because Bo sort of does a little foreshadowing because when they're leaving the almost accident and he's saying something about the woman and she's like, I mean, Bo says to Tate, you know, well, she's angry like you. And he's like, I'm not angry, you know. And and she's like, well, she lost somebody too. Or she lost somebody. He's like, well, I lost somebody.
0: Yeah, join the club. Yeah, you know. And and
1: so it's one of those where, you know, it's, we have to know these little things. And it it helps, like, again, Bo pieces the whole story together, like, little by little with us or for us. Because as, as an audience, they're not letting us know already. You know, we have to figure out the little pieces of the puzzle that Bo's giving us, which I like. I like that it's. It's not the type of show where, with the mystery involved and sort of having to piece these things together, you can guess the ending at the beginning. And yeah. you're just like, "Oh well, this is what's going to happen." I, I like, I had no idea when Bo took, or sorry, not Bo, when they go back, they give the wallet and Tate steals the the necklace. That I, not in a in a million things in my mind was one of the thoughts that I had. They're going to find her son.
0: Yeah, it's, You know, it,
1: what I, mean? it, I would not have seen that. It's
0: an interesting person to help because in the previous couple episodes, the people who Bo ends up helping are more directly related to Bo. In episode was in episode one with the doctor. That's directly related to Bo. He's dealing with Bo. Then Bo learns his story and says, oh, whatever, and they go to help him. In this one, they just meet this woman by total chance. And <laughs> I know there are no chances. There are no coincidences. But what it looks like to us, it's a total coincidence that they even met this woman. And now she's the chosen one to be helped in the origin episode. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting twist.
1: Which I just thought of something. You know, we've heard that people are are drawn to Bo, like they're drawn to Nina. Do you think that that's literally that? Like this woman was actually, in a sense, drawn to Bo?
0: Like Bo is like a magnet?
1: Kind of. I mean, like she doesn't know she's being drawn, but there's something about the timing that, you know, it's it's bigger than... I don't know. I just...
0: Yeah, I mean, Tate Tate says it in a later episode, not to go too far forward, but we've already done this on Afterbus. Tate says this in a later episode that, yeah, just everybody was drawn to Nina. Like, she was just, like, the life of the party kind of idea. And he didn't understand it, but he could still see it and knew it. And everybody says the same thing about Beau. So maybe it is that. And, and on a much smaller scale, you've been around people like this. Maybe I'm one of them, Courtney. Just maybe. One of these people. But, you know, I mean, joking aside, you've been around people who you just want to spend time with. They're fun and inspiring and positive and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like... I know that those people don't have telekinetic abilities. They're just normal people who have good attitudes. But it's that same idea. You want to be around people who make you better. And Bo already does that along with these abilities. So Bo is the good person plus these abilities. Maybe it is like a magnet effect.
1: Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right in agreeing with me. <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> I, see, I see what you did there. That's very smart. <laughs> so Bo so and Tate go to the pawn shop. Bo ends up meeting the son. His name is Kareem. Um, And they learn when Bo shows him the necklace, the jewelry, they learn exactly who this Kareem is, why they are there, and it becomes their mission to reunite Kareem and Leona. And they do so. And another really touching moment of mother and son and something very sweet. I mean, just really nice.
1: Which I want to go back a second. When they're in there, we see Bo put her hand on his shoulder and... I'm wondering because, and then we see sort of the flashback to his childhood, and we see what happened when he was taken away, and what he had to witness. And when when Bo puts her hand on someone's shoulder or holds their hand, like we saw in the other in the previous episode, does that? I mean, is Bo literally watching that, or is it just sort of she gets a sense and feels what they've already lived and and. This person that she's helping is reliving it.
0: I think, like, when we were talking about in episode one a little while ago, I think it's she's actually watching it. Remember in episode one with the doctor and Dr. Terry, and she touches him and then sees that Senga, and she doesn't know what Senga is, but she keeps seeing this image of the mirror and Senga, and it's this thing, and you're going to help this person. She is seeing the Agnes sign reversed in the mirror right. she's seeing the girl play the guitar so oh she's a singer so she's
1: seeing so, this little boy so so what we watch in these flashbacks is what Bo's seeing I think for so. the first time yeah I okay. think she's
0: literally seeing that and she doesn't know the frame of reference she doesn't know where it's coming from she's just seeing an image it's like if you were you know if you were knocked unconscious and then you all of a sudden woke up in some random place and for 20 seconds you were looking around trying to figure out where you are that's what's happening to Bo she's just looking around saying where am I what's going on I don't know who these people are but this is what they're doing like that kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah,
1: and thing it's always been people that need her help in one way or another. Yeah, and we do see that. And and he he says at one point he doesn't even know his own last name, like because Beau's like I'm like you, you know I, I lost my parents and he's like no 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 no, <laughs> you are not like me. And it's I I really appreciated that because. You know, we. I think sometimes it's easy. We forget we have great. You know, I shouldn't say easy, but easy in comparison to some people's lives. And I love that it was sort of just a, a short. I don't think it was meant to be political, but just sort of a short reminder, quick reminder that there are people out there that are struggling, and that that, lo- that there's just there's so much loss and there's so much unknown. And that we're really lucky to have our loved ones and friends and family that support us because not everybody has that.
0: I think it's a conscious decision and a specific decision, too, to be in New York City and to make it a Middle Eastern family. And to say, obviously, in America, 99% of people rightfully know that not every person who is of Muslim descent is a terrorist or something. But yeah. you take this, you take New York City from this you know, 9-11 that's on everybody's mind and has been for a decade, and you take a Middle Eastern family, which is is a very specific choice that the actor that the director's made and the writer's made and you say hey you may just see you know a middle eastern person or a south american person or somebody walking down the street in new york city but you may not realize what they came from to get here and yes they're different yeah. from americans from us but it, that difference sometimes is is so unimaginable you know, here are some of the things that these people right. had to go through. And it makes them obviously sympathetic characters, but it kind of pulls full circle and says, hey, maybe the next time you pass a stranger on the street who maybe doesn't look like you, maybe you say, okay, you know, maybe they've had a very tough life or a very serious thing to go through. And, and you know, we, like Bo, we can't judge them. We can only hope to know their story one day.
1: Right. I I And I like that, that this little girl keeps that perspective because clearly Tate has a much... Uh, just a jaded perspective. Yeah, and, and about so rich just, people. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It just was in its own subtle way, sort of that reminder that, you know, we don't know where anyone comes from. We don't know what anyone is dealing with. And so, you know, take a second and just remember and be grateful for where you come from because... It, it you know somebody else has it worse.
0: It, yeah, I would say it's probably worse. Almost, <laughs> almost, almost. No matter where you've come from, it's probably worse for for somebody else somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then look at both circumstances, and she still feels that way. Yeah, I mean, this is a little girl who's been through a lot that nobody at Ten should have ever had to experience. Yeah, <laughs> with any sort of power or not. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: No, I, I completely I completely agree. And we end that episode, because let's move on to uh, episode four, defection. But we end that episode where, again, they escape from police officers. They've left Leona's apartment. The reunion has happened. They escape from police officers. The, everybody's on their tail. Police, FBI, as people. Uh, and they run into the subway. And then Bo de-electrifies, I guess you would say, the subway gates. And yeah. they get away again. Here we go. It's another episode where they're on the run, which is going to happen a lot. Um, and then we open up episode four. Um, well, they
1: take Tate into custody.
0: They do, and the gun falls apart.
1: Yes. Yes. And they escape.
0: And that's, and that's where I was going to go with Close episode call. four. With oh. episode four opening up is because Agent Farrell is amazed that that gun fell apart. Yes. No, never seen it before.
1: Yeah. How does this happen?
0: <laughs> you know, but but again, there's Bo using her powers in a way that obviously helps them, but it's not malicious. She could have done a lot of physical things to harm the person pointing the gun at Tate. All she chose to do was just disassemble the gun. Yes. You know, doesn't hurt anybody, just helps them get away. Yes. Good beau. Yes. Good guy beau.
1: <laughs> Good girl bow. Good girl bow. <laughs> I'm going to get you on these genders.
0: So I just say guy for everybody, you know?
1: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I know. So I, know I
0: know you don't. All right, fine. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll change one day if you're nice to me. I'll be so, nice. So...
1: <laughs> I'll bring Chipotle.
0: Hey, now you're talking.
1: I know. I know, Now I, you're talking. I know talking. the key to your heart. So. Yes, ma'am. It's mine.
0: I'll just call you ma'am from now on. Um, <laughs> all right. So in defection, in episode four, the one big thing that we want to hit in this recap is Catherine and uh, Matt, her ex-boyfriend, and then her new fiance, who we meet very briefly when Bo knocks on the door. <laughs> he assumes she's selling Girl Scout cookies and slams the door in her face. Have you ever, Courtney, please tell the truth, have you ever slammed the door in a 10-year-old's face?
1: No, okay, especially especially if I thought they were selling Girl Scout cookies. Oh, that's true. I mean, I was a Girl Scout. Really? Yes. So i bought those cookies and sold those cookies. <laughs> yep. You've been there. I've been there. But
0: Bo is not selling cookies. No. But, but still, I mean, you don't—you can't slam a door in a ten-year-old's face, and obviously, that's the first sign that the fiance not a well, guy. I was guy. just gonna
1: say. I mean, it instantly gives us an opinion about the guy that she's marrying. Yeah. She shouldn't be marrying him. Which
0: is not a good yes, yeah, not a good thing, not a good guy. By the way, and I will say this because we both host the Good Wife After Show, which is unrelated, but the <laughs> actress who plays Catherine in this episode also played Finn's assistant in Good Wife just an episode ago.
1: Yep. Thinking she about it. I no, I love it. I just love a, just seeing a, just a cool seeing crossover. my shows inter intertwine. It's
0: just a cool crossover. And Catherine did a good job. She's telling the story of a woman who was in love with a man, went off to war, he ends up being blind. She never really stopped loving him, and he obviously never stopped loving her. However, he kept sending her letters and stuff, and eventually she just stops getting letters. Little does she know.
1: Yeah, the most important letter. Yeah. Hello. Little,
0: little the, does she know. The
1: one with the woohoo.
0: It actually, it was. You wasn't, like it,
1: then you should have put a ring on it?
0: Exactly. It wasn't <laughs> that it stopped. It was that it was, it was stopped by a person. Yeah. Again, the fiance. Right. Yeah. The
1: fiance. I mean, and it's. It's one of those where I feel like uh, on one hand, if something like that ever happened to me, I, you, I mean, I, you would have to question if you're still in love and all of that is still there with the original person that you thought stopped sending the letters because at some point, you know, our hearts are made, I think, to mend and move on. And so it, clearly she was started or tried to do that on, on one point because she did get engaged to somebody else. But you have to also assess your decision-making skills when the person that you are now engaged to is capable of of that. But at the same time, when you're in love, I mean, I would like to think that I wouldn't do that, but when you're in love, you do crazy stuff.
0: That's crazy true. Crazy stuff. It sounds like you have a story.
1: I don't. <laughs> I have no stories. <laughs> you did... No, s- <laughs> I mean, it just it's one of those... I mean, I feel like that's sort of a cliche thing to say. I mean, people in love do crazy things, but it's true.
0: No, you do. It's not... You can't look at it as logically as you could...
1: Anything else. else. And yeah. it's always easier from the outside looking in... To say that was a stupid thing. And, like, what do you think? I mean, you think that you're going to have this great, wonderful life just because you hid the the engagement ring from the other guy? No. Yeah. You're not.
0: (laughs) I'm actually surprised the other guy, Matt, I'm surprised that Matt... Didn't come and track Catherine down after he didn't get a response with an engagement ring. That's a big deal. Even just to have closure. If I if I sent even a, just
1: to get the ring back because those are expensive. No,
0: they are expensive. But even without <laughs> do the, do you lo- have a
1: story about that? No, I don't All have. Right. No,
0: I don't have. A story. I I'm, <laughs> I don't know if they're expensive. Uh, that's th- this isn't. <laughs> they like, are. This isn't like a blow pop ring you're giving somebody, right? You got to give them a real ring. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I if I'm Matt and I send a letter with a ring with professing my love and engagement, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I don't get a response. I am going to the person's house at some point in the ensuing months or years to say, A, did you get the letter? Did the post office lose it? I don't know. And B, why didn't I get a response? And if she slams the door in my face, which might happen, at least I know. But I definitively know. Yeah. I'm just surprised he never went to the house. He just, you know, kind of deflated his emotions and said, oh, well, there's my answer. I didn't get a response. It's like, dude. Go and get her. Don't yeah. leave Bo to go and get her. You got to go and get her. But,
1: and I love that Bo was so insistent on like getting these people back together.
0: And Tate's jaded. Talk about people who have stories with love. We're not sharing stories. Tate yeah. should share a story. Because every time Bo tried to get him together, Tate was like, yeah, well, real life's not a movie. Guess they're not in love. Whatever. Yeah. See you later. Sounds like Tate's got some love stories.
1: He does. And it's one of those where because we know that it's Nina, you know, it's like you just want him to say Nina's name one time so that Bo knows. Yeah, I mean... Because we've done more episodes, we now know how Bo finds out and how Tate finds out that they're one big, happy family, and they've they they actually are bonded, and I didn't even think about this that Tate and not Nina Tate and Bo are bonded by Nina because they share that loss, yeah they both lost you know so it's like, sorry, Tate, we know you lost somebody, but guess what? Not only did Bo also lose somebody, but she lost the same person, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, but I you mean, luck- luckily, Bo does not give up on these two, on Matt and Catherine, and she oh, goes no. and tracks down Matt with the return address on the letter, um, finds out that you know he is blind, and she ends up taking Matt to see Catherine. Catherine later is going to end up learning that the fiance did hide the letter, so everything's yeah. going to, as well as it could, kind of turn out okay. It's not maybe the fairy tale love story <laughs> of like meeting and falling in love. There were a couple hiccups along the way, right. but it worked out. So Kate was kind of kinda right. Take, no, it's, take, not, it's not a movie. I mean,
1: and, and when is it ever really? And, and I feel like that's kind of boring.
0: You don't think that love is like a movie? No. I, I got to tell you, every relationship I'm in is like the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I are you saying the
1: girls are crazy? I don't know if that's good or bad. No, I'm saying all the
0: girls look like girls that Matthew McConaughey could get.
1: You date girls like Matthew McConaughey could get.
0: I wish. I'm just kidding. You do? Yeah.
1: You should probably say that because now if you go on a date with somebody. <laughs> And Sorry, as they would beautiful.
0: say in the movie, BS, but that's a censored version. <laughs> <laughs> cool, whatever. You guys don't have to believe me. Um,
1: <laughs> I bet you I bet you get great girls. I really do. Thank you. Yeah.
0: All right, well, let's move on <laughs> from that incredible awkwardness. There is one other minor thing in this episode. Um, Two, did you like my How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days reference, by the way?
1: I did. I thought I was
0: going to get at least a little bit of credit for that.
1: Uh, you get credit for it. You said it. It's your face. There we go. Oh, Roya,
0: is that your favorite movie?
1: It's definitely one of them.
0: <laughs> really, like top yeah. five?
1: Mm, sure.
0: It uh, doesn't sound so convincing. She's not. Yeah, she's not. It not depends sold.
1: on how do you category, I don't go top five of everything. Like
0: top five chick flicks.
1: It would be one of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's funny. Like Matthew McConaughey, like turned into a great actor. But that was a cute little funny movie.
1: He was a great actor then.
0: He was a great actor then.
1: And he's a great actor now. He should be on Believe.
0: That would be actually amazing. He should be on Believe. I mean,
1: take a little break from True Detective. Hey, no, he's done
0: on True Detective. Didn't they kind of finish up for the season or for whatever it is right now? He's got some time off.
1: Well, we should give him a call. Come
0: get on Believe, man. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) All right, well, let's move to the one other more minor storyline, although it is, you know, major, but it's minor for the purpose of this episode, and that is um, Scorus and the Orchestra Laboratory. And one thing that is going to be kind of a... A uh, maybe preemptive show of Scorus's abilities and orchestra's abilities is using the other telekinetic person, the other person with powers, to completely erase somebody's mind. S- scary, super scary. Scorus <laughs> is not playing games. No, like no. I
1: mean, well, I mean, and we see just at the tail end of the previous episode, episode three, that he goes to Joshua and he's like, "I, I have a field assignment. Like, I'm considering you for." And he's he's testing him, and, and he's always pushing the envelope. He's that desperate. To, to use these other guys, Joshua, and, you know, we see later more of them. Um, but it's it's pretty frightening to think that if he's capable of that and and Bo's more of an asset, you know, I, I can't even imagine what Bo's actually capable of if her power was to be turned dark.
0: Yeah, or, you know or, I mean? or if she really realized the true extent of her powers.
1: You yeah. Know?
0: I don't know that she realizes truly everything that she can do
1: well and that's kind of the even scarier part because we don't know i mean we also learn in these episodes about the degrade that's brought up for the first time and and nobody really knows when that sets in and how long it lasts and how severe it is it's just sort of the loss of powers and winter we know is very pleased because he brings tate into the picture and even though they don't know that they're related tate and beau you know there's something about having them back together that helps strengthen her powers yeah You know, and it still, it does, it kind of baffles my mind that, you know, we see these other people in orchestra that Scores is is using and pushing, and if they're not even the top asset, erasing someone's mind?
0: Well, I, I think this is a sign that Scores, obviously not a good guy, but he takes it personally. And it's one thing to try to go get Bo back, or it's one thing to be clinical about it and say, let's do this. We need Bo back. We need to defeat Winter, whatever. You know, it's sort of a military perspective where you kind of remove the personal at nature. And you said, this is the task. This is the objective. We need to do this. Scorus takes this personally. Like, this is a vendetta for him. And that's what makes it scarier because he's not just saying, hey, we need Bo back. He's saying it's personal that she was taken. It's personal that she's not with me. It's personal that Winter defected. It's personal that this guy Tate is now involved. Everybody needs to go, and I need Bo back, and I will do whatever I need to do to get her back.
1: Yeah, well, because that that makes the point even stronger because he doesn't have that same personal feeling for any of the other subjects, I'll say, because that's kind of the way they would think of them, Um, any of the other people like Joshua or Sean, et cetera, at at orchestra. Yeah. He, He does not have any emotional connection to them outside of get Bo back. I, you know, I don't think he would send – I don't think he would use any of these resources to go back and try to get one of them if if it had been not Bo and it had No, been I, I agree with you. And
0: none of those resources is ready to go to the federal government, to go to the CIA or whatever and say, hey, here's what we can do. He took Nina because she was so powerful. And I don't think Bo's ready because she's only 10. But Bo is that powerful that he knows she will be ready and she's the one to take to the government yeah, well, or to use. I mean,
1: and you think about it because, I mean, Bo's 10. And, yes, some of the other uh, – you know, people in orchestra with powers are older age-wise. I, we we know orchestra's only 10 years old, so they haven't had much time with these people. I mean, and I, we don't know anything about how long have they been there, how long have they been, you know, recruiting or finding more people with these telekinesis powers. You know, so it's a very young program uh, as, as far as orchestra goes and and what they know about all of the powers. And so it's even scarier because, you know, they don't know what can happen if they push the envelope. All they know is what they know with Nina, and they didn't have her for very long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, and I know we talked about this on another episode in the future <laughs> that we've done yeah, in the past. But that is in the future. <laughs> but it's nobody else in orchestra, at least that we've seen or heard of, is as young as Bo, and nobody else in orchestra have they had since birth. So orchestra's been around for about 10 years. They've had Bo from day one of orchestra, more or less, and from day one of her life. So it's this not only is it an emotional and financial and physical investment in Bo, but it's also this idea of what if we have somebody with these superpowers that we raise from birth and have domain over every single day? How strong can we make them as opposed to a guy we find when he's 20? You know,
1: that's true. And maybe that is why she's the most powerful asset. Aside from, you know, Nina and having it be genetic in the stories, obviously, about beau being the extraordinary girl but that may actually be a factor i hadn't considered that the fact that they've had her control over her entire existence may make a difference in her capable capabilities you know with her powers compared to getting somebody that you have to maybe you know teach them to unlearn things that they have yeah. put into play and habits that they have you have to break in order to move forward and and refine their power it
0: makes me think of like Olympic training or something if you had a swimmer like Michael Phelps or a figure skater or somebody and you and they were very good and naturally talented, and you as a coach only got them in their, when they were twenty and you had two years to get ready for the Olympics that's a stressful two years if you only have two years to work with them, but if you've been training them since they were six and you 've got eighteen years to develop them or sixteen years to develop them. You can make them theoretically really powerful. And this is the same thing on a much different level. For Scorus that says, hey, wait a minute. It's not just a Johnny come lately. Oh, I just found this person. Let's play around with them. This is somebody they've been cultivating and using from day one of their life. We can make this person our weapon to do whatever it is that we want. Yeah. And now she's gone.
1: Gone. Well, yeah, because what we find, you know, what Scorus wants to do with her is is not in the best interest of Bo. And... I am losing their names tonight. Winter, I, I, Winter made the promise to Nina that we saw. Yeah, you know, and so we know that Winter is going to do whatever it takes, even if he struggles, as you've said, to find them places to go and have a plan that's effective. You know, but he's going to do everything in his power and and mind to keep both safe and protected from becoming a weapon, a federal asset, and being used for anything but what she needs. Because, you know, we also hear in the trailers and things, you know, that, that Winter wants to expose her to the world and yeah. let the world know, Bo. it's just not time yet. It's just not time.
0: It's not time for a 10-year-old. I think it's well said. So. All right, guys, we don't have any predictions today.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't Because we're kind anything. of going
0: backwards. No predictions, that's okay. No news because we're going backwards. All that stuff comes on normal episodes, which we'll do episode eight next week. Um, so that's about it. But we do have one important thing, social media links. Courtney, where can we find you?
1: I'm at Cohen on Twitter and Instagram, which is C-O-U-H-E-N.
0: I can't believe nobody else noticed that it was the first three letters of your first name and then the first three letters of your last name.
1: Nope. I'll explain that to them. And I'll be like, oh, okay. No one thinks it's cool. I thought it was cool. That's where I got it.
0: You hear that, guys? I'm her <laughs> smartest friend. <laughs> All right, and I am I at, at Bobby DeMuro on Twitter. I'm not pretty, so I don't have an Instagram. So just follow me on Twitter. <laughs> you got to be pretty to have an Instagram. That ain't look, look at this face. It's not me.
1: I don't post selfies.
0: Really? I just saw you take a selfie.
1: I, I literally I just, I just saw you no, take a selfie. No, I took a photo of you getting ready for the show. I
0: literally just saw her take a selfie before the show, and she was about to post it. It's, I know it's good. Don't even lie I'm going to gonna me. post the photo I took because it was of you. you okay. You, li- <laughs> you literally just took a selfie. I can't believe it. She's lying to me. Guys, that's it on the AfterBuzz Believe After Show for episodes three and four. Oh,
1: you're driving me crazy. <laughs>
0: get, get on Twitter before we start fighting here at the desk. Get on Twitter. Follow us. Tweet us. Debate us. We would love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for all your comments on YouTube and iTunes and Everywhere else so far. We can't wait to do more episodes. We will see you guys next week, back on the normal schedule, back with Kate Aquilano, our Woo-hoo! third host, for episode eight. Until then, stay good, and if you get Bo's powers, use them wisely, not meanly. I'm Bobby DeMiro, she's Courtney Henderson. We're done. See you later, guys. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV Network.